My name's Rob, and I'm the host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with the belief that each one of us wants to be fully known and fully loved. What's the key to a successful marriage? Some say it starts first with a commitment that divorce is never an option, followed by a commitment to constantly strive to make your marriage better, regardless of struggles or challenges. And yes, even the best marriages face struggles and challenges. We conclude my conversation with John by discussing his marriage, family, and his passion for men's ministry. Why is men's ministry so important to John? Listen to my friend, John Froyhopper, as he shares his insights, life lessons, and encouraging story, and discover for yourself. Thank you for listening. This is Real Friends. Okay, so let's fast forward now to college. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, so Mizzou, yeah. 1983, yeah. show up in the fall, marching Mizzou preseason, because mm-hmm. all the band geeks get to show up early. Were you a band geek? Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What instrument? Trumpet. Okay. Yeah, it's right behind you. I, it's there. Okay. I want to play, but <laughs> I don't pull it out of it. <laughs> you know, I have this goal, <laughs> this lofty goal to play a lot. I'll let you end the podcast. Yeah, no, I am, not, I am okay. not doing that. Do you know Ken Bolin? I sent him an actual Marco Polo clip with me playing it. Anyway, that's a whole other. But that's the last <laughs> time I touched that thing about four weeks ago, but... Someday I will play mm-hmm. regularly. You'll see me at the crossing playing ah, at cool, cool. Um But anyway, so yeah, so showed up marching Mizzou uh, fall of nineteen eighty three or summer really because we got there a week before school started for our week long camp in the hundred degree weather on Stankowski Field for those people familiar with Mizzou, and uh, we did. And I, I had the benefit of uh, a buddy of mine who is acquaintance really not a buddy. Uh, we were in band together in high school. Uh, Rick her up. And he was a percussionist. And so he was a sophomore. So he was already there a year. So I was going to live with him in Kramer Hall, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was great because my roommate has already been there a year. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. show up and I think, you know, I'm not, I'm okay trumpet player. I was great at Melville. I was yeah. a top trumpet player at Melville. Yeah. But it's Melville. What do I know yeah. about all these kids coming from all over the middle part of the country to be in, oh, it's Marching Mizzou. It's this big thing. Um, yeah, because... Back then, college, I just knew I was going to college, but you didn't spend the time and energy to decide where you're going like we did with our five kids. Yeah. It's this whole thing. It's a whole... Back sure. then, it was... My dad went to Rolla. Mm-hmm. He was an engineer, chemical yeah. engineer. Rolla. Uh, my mom started at Rolla. Yeah. She was one of the early women, lived in the basement yeah. of a church with about six or eight other women back in the, in the yeah. 50s. Um, and then... Um, so, my dad took me at some point in high school, my senior year, probably... Uh, he's like, hey, I got to go to Rolla because I'm doing something with the faculty as a rep- liaison between whatever, probably ASHE or something with the alumni. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you. So we went. It was fun. Hey. But then I walked around campus while he did his stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is boring. Yeah. You know, this is 80. So it's now it's cool. Back then, it was like dust. Yeah. There was no people around. There was no girls anywhere. And there was no, you know, there was music. But I'm like, no, there's no band. So I'm like, okay, I like girls and I like music. So I'm going to Mizzou, I guess. They've got chemical engineering. I can do that there. And so that's how I ended up in Mizzou. And it was perfect because I ended up marching Mizzou and that's where I met Kim. So so she was part of marching Mizzou. She was. She was in the color guard. She was a flag. And so she, we met because uh, she was in color guard and my roommate was percussion. So for those people not familiar with marching bands, the percussionists and the color guards hang out. They party together because they're the cool people. Uh-huh. The rest of us, we do our thing. Trumpets are, it depends what part of the yeah. trumpet section you are, how cool. But because my roommate was percussionist, I always got connected nice. early to all nice. that. So I met Kim mm-hmm. because we got a ride back with my roommate, Rick. I think she wrote back to us for probably Labor Day or something. So we met. I remember meeting her. At the time, I had a girlfriend mm-hmm. uh, who was a year younger back at Notre Dame High School. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were promised to be engaged, to be married. And I, you know, Kim, I, I wore her class ring around my neck. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was pretty, I was serious. Uh, and we, but you know, cause I wouldn't go to party. I was like, no, I'm going to stay and study. And cause I don't want to have fun because well, my girlfriend's back. And then at some point that all changed cause she wanted it. She's like, Hey, I want to, what about we date other people? And she wanted to date, uh, well, okay, you can, but I, but then I was, and then next thing you know, Kim's dating my roommate, mm-hmm. Rick. And then at some point throughout the year, we were just friends because he was an accounting major and he was a sophomore. He was taking accounting again for the third time. 
and struggling. Mm. And so he was studying all the mm -hmm. time and Kim was in fashion merchandising. Yeah. And so that is not a difficult degree program yeah. at the University of Missouri Columbia. So she would bring all of our, she was a great illustrator. Uh -huh. So at some point I will show you some of Kim. Yeah, she is cool. an amazing fashion illustrator and yeah. she would do other kind of pen and ink drawing stuff. Um, so she would bring all that and she'd be doing that. And I didn't want to study, even though I should have been yeah. studying. Uh, so so we would go for a chemical engineering degree. You didn't study. I know. Isn't that stupid? Wow. It was really dumb, but I survived it. So, but we would, she'd be over and I'm like, I can't not talk to her. I'm yeah. like, and I don't really want to study. So yeah. let's just talk. And so we got to be friends and we all hung out in the same friend group. Uh, cause you know, all of Rick's friends were percussionists and all the cool people in band. And so then we all got to hang out together between our dorm and then up at uh, Hudson Gillette where some of the other guys lived. And, uh, so we were friends, but then, so then Kim and Rick started dating, uh, for a while. And then real quickly, he just, uh, said he freaked out and said, no, I can't, I got to focus on studying. So he dumped her and I was there just to kind of help her through that. So we were just friends and then that friendship, uh, turned into, Something a little more as we ended up in the Holiday Bowl mm -hmm. uh, that year. That was uh, when Steve mm -hmm. Young was at BYU. BYU oh, wow. played Mizzou at the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. Oh, yeah. So we got to fly out on a charter oh, cool. with the cheerleaders and yeah. some boosters and all that kind of stuff. So we spent, I think, three nights or four in San Diego. It was great. But one of those nights, we ended up uh, together on the beach and getting to know each other. So that was kind of the turning point from just friends. To just friends to something in the middle. Cause I still had a girlfriend uh, at home. Yeah. yeah. But, and then there's this, and there was an understanding from Kim, but I don't know about my other girlfriend. She probably might've been. And then at some point, I think a couple of months later, um, in February that my girlfriend back at home was talking about her prom. And I'm like, ah, why don't you just go with somebody else? And that was kind of the end of our yeah. relationship. And then April 1st, April Fool's Day huh. uh, of 80s, let's see, that 84 was our official beginning of dating. Yeah. yeah. So what do you love most about Kim when you first met her? Uh, there was a word that I we used back then. I haven't used it a lot, flighty. Flighty? She was fun. Ah, she was okay. like, we just yeah. had a lot of fun. She wasn't a, just yeah. adventurous and we just did a lot of fun stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so then take me through how your relationship progressed to get to the point where. Yeah. So we date, we started dating then and kept dating. Uh, we would come back to St. Louis in the summer and work. Um, and then uh, we'd go back to college, love doing the marching Mizzou stuff. Most people thought I was a music major. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't. I'm like, no, I'm engineering. Yeah. yeah like, cause, but I spent all my time in marching band, uh, studio jazz ensemble. I love that. That was a lot of fun. Um, and we would do some touring and then I would do, uh, the pep bands. So we were in mini Mizzou and Femme mini Mizzou. I got to go, uh, the women's basketball team actually made it to this sweet 16. So we got on a trip to LSU wow. on a bus, uh, mm. my freshman year. Yeah. And, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so I got to travel and do stuff with, with band and, and all that. So we, we did our, did our time through college and, uh, and you know, I'm, Typical guy, I don't get it. You know, no clue what you know. Asking somebody to get married means to that person you're asking. It's a big deal for women, oh, yeah. and we talk about it because you know we know it's our junior year, so we know okay we're gonna be seniors, and then well we're gonna get married when we get to college. We talked about it, mm -hmm. um, and we had talked about it for a couple of years. But it's one thing to talk about; it's another to actually do it. And I'm not. And so Kim's always like, "Well, I got a plan." So actually, she actually started planning for something in like June and I would never, I never asked her or didn't commit. And so she had to change that and event. So I, at some point in my senior year in, in the fall, I had already bought the ring cause I got the ring in the summer, I think. Cause I remember going down to the city in St. Louis and there was a jewelry store mm -hmm. somewhere. You had to buzz in and I got the ring and, mm -hmm. and, uh, but I just held on to it. Cause I didn't know, I, I didn't think about it. It's just, it was one of the things I just didn't think about. I just knew it was going to happen. You no, there was oh none of that going that. on back then. Uh, in fact, the friends I had back then were mentoring in the wrong direction. Ah, That's part of that free yeah, stuff I had to share later with right. her. But, um, and maybe that's probably one of the reasons why yeah. I was hesitant. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, at some point I thought, okay, tonight's the night and it was going to be a Tuesday night after. Uh, so in marching season, you have Monday, Wednesday, Friday is practice on the field. So you're mm -hmm. doing both marching and playing. 
Uh, Tuesday night was music only in an auditorium, either Jesse Hall or depending on what they're doing construction, Jesse would be over at the library, had a big auditorium we would use. Um, so that night we do, it's Tuesday night, we do the, uh, our marching music rehearsal. And I, okay, afterwards I'm going to take her to dinner. And there was a fancy place over by the, the Columbia Mall area. I don't even remember the name of the place, but it was the best place I knew of. So I take her out there, we get there, we get, it's closed. It's closing oh, yeah. right now. Like, <laughs> that's how we get there. I'm like, what do I do? So I'm like, uh, let's go, you know what? Let's go to Boone's Tavern. It's like a, a sports, but now it's yeah. not, well, I don't think it's open anymore, yeah. but there was a period of time when it was a lot nicer than it was yeah. when I was there. It was more yeah. like a sports tavern. Yeah. So we go, the bar area is open. So I think I ordered Bud Light and some potato skins. Yeah. So over potato skins, I proposed, it, you know, very <laughs> casually. Hey, I, you know, nothing. <laughs> it's horrible. It's the worst. <laughs> she should have ran. You know, screaming right then. Yeah. No, this is not a good yeah. decision for this guy. But uh, no, she's like, yes. And so uh, then that next August, we ended up getting married. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, the kids plan it out. They got their friends there with the video. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds the cameras, of cameras. It's all stage. Well, I'm sure you just, do pictures for some, probably. Oh, right? I've done it a, yeah, with all the work yeah, you do with yeah, the youth. So right. sooner or later, they're going to yeah. ask you. Um, yeah. I had this one where the guy left his. Um, hotel door open and I crawled in on my belly with my camera took pictures of proposing out on this uh, outdoor like balcony, balcony area to nice. yeah yeah so um, but yeah, yeah so there's so many better ways to do it that since that I've thought of but yeah so unfortunately right. yeah. one and done yeah. but uh, <laughs> at least you did it yes did it. yeah um, so then college ends and then you move into like the next official season of your life yep. um you and Kim haven't gotten married yet, right? Yeah, so we graduate in May. I move up to Wisconsin because okay. that's where I got a job uh, selling for an alcohol chemical company. Uh, yeah, because at some point in my senior year, I took, I had my, I was going to get my engineering degree, a whopping two point eight. By mm-hmm. the way, nice. Thankfully, all those band and music credits helped nice. me in psychology nice. and economics. All those <laughs> helped pull some of those D's up for me. Yeah. But I was interviewing, and I had, uh, in fact, my roommate at the time, Ray Klein. He's my best man. Uh, he lived with my brother and I uh, our senior year. And uh, he, so I was going through all the interviews on campus and and you probably had the same experience at Rala. And so it's just rejection after rejection. He created, if you remember from Price is Right, there's the little mm-hmm. Alpine guy, the Plinko or whatever. He goes up the thing and he falls off. Yeah. So he created with corkboard and he had this guy, he posted all, my, all the rejection letters. I yeah. think there's like 20 of them. You know, I kept getting turned out all these different jobs. And so at some point, my uh, buddy graduated the semester before me, uh, Bob Rashi, and he got a job with Nalco Chemical Company uh, selling. And he had a company car, uh, mm. an expense account, mm. and he made his own schedule kind of like, that. Right. You know that what? I'm going to think sales might be. So then I started interviewing all kinds of different companies for sales. Uh, I had my dad worked with a company called Betts because he helped put together the uh, power plant at Malacrat, which uses water treatment in their steam generation equipment. And so he had a relationship with Betts and he's like, hey, my son's graduating. He's interested in selling. Hey, why don't you interview him? And so they interviewed me and then they offered me a job uh, in, uh, conveniently located in the, in the Detroit area, working mm-hmm. shift work mm-hmm. in a detectification. So a horrible mm-hmm. role and it for like, you know, a horrible salary. But I was excited I got a, a finally somebody offered me right. something. But I remember calling my dad from the airport and kind of, well, here's what the offer is. And he, uh, yeah, I could just tell that it wasn't, yeah, not right. But because I had that offer, then I went back to my, uh, my buddy had already gotten me a phone interview uh, with the HR group at Nelco at his company. Uh, but because I had that offer from their competitor, I went call them back and said, hey, I got an offer from your competitor. Uh, are you guys going to do something or not? Yeah. And I was like, hold on, let me get back to you. So they call me. I had the district manager in St. Louis wants to interview you. So I drove in, met with him, and yeah, the rest was history. He gave me a job twice as much. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, there was like two openings. One's in the Chicago area, the other's in Southern California. We always thought we'd love living in San Diego, but then as we thought about it, that eh, cost of living, plus it's so far away. We said, ah, Chicago area sounds good. Great. So Milwaukee. <laughs> That's how they sold it to me. And I didn't know any better. I didn't know that, yeah. 
But it turned out to work out pretty well. So that's how we ended up in uh, in Milwaukee back yeah. in uh, 87. Um, and so what do you think are some of the, the perks of your, your current feel, your career? Uh, it, yeah, it, it suits, you know, it suits my personality and my giftedness. So I am, uh, you know, if I, the, I've learned over the years my spiritual gifts or leadership and administration. Um, mercy is in there a little bit and helps mm-hmm. uh, up and down over the years. Um, so if looking back, it just, it suits me perfectly uh, because I can go and help lead people through their problems to find solutions that yeah. involve my company, either me and my expertise uh, and then my company's products. And now that I lead, I've led salespeople now for, ooh, shoot, 10 years, yeah, maybe 11, wow. I've had a sales team yeah. that I lead of different sizes. And so I really enjoy coaching people and helping yeah. them get better, um, doing that kind of stuff. Um, I've got to flex a little bit of marketing creativity over the yeah. years. I had a marketing role for a couple of years that I did really well with and liked, but uh, I liked the, the sales stuff a little bit better. So this is a little bit off topic. Yeah. I think we are created... In the image of God, mm-hmm. one of God's greatest attributes is creativity. Mm-hmm. What do you think is one or two of your top creative skills? So I think I'm great at connecting dots. Okay. Um, and having a vision for something. Uh, and then, so if you remember Jeff Henderson, the first time he ever talked at the crossing, mm-hmm. and one of the, so yeah. he always talked about he was great at the wow, but not at the how. Yeah. My talent lies, I'm good at both. Yeah. That's good. Um, so my the, yeah. my weakness in there though is I'm afraid. Ah. So even though I might have it, that's yeah. why it's taken me a while to flesh out what's my want to do because yeah. I got I got to make yeah. sure I good cover point. my bases for the long term and meet my responsibilities yeah. for Kim and the kids and all that kind of stuff financially. Uh, but at some point I want to follow that passion, and so there's this, you know, I've have this thought uh, that I call one for the thirsty. So what if we gathered the world's top water uh, charities and organizations together on a regular basis Mm -hmm. to inspire them, to encourage them, to help them innovate together because they're all good at different things. You know, living water is great at certain things. Charity water is great at other things. Mm, Water.org is great at some completely other, but they're all working in the same space trying to solve the same problem. Let's pull them all together. Let's let them learn from each. So that's one of those things that I've had this idea I'm slowly putting uh, meat to it. And what does that look like? How do I, how does that happen? What's the best vehicle to do that? So, yeah, so that's probably. Um, So how much of that do you think is being inspired and prompted by God, this vision that you have? Um, It's all, because I don't, I can't, I don't put all that together myself. So, and it comes in little bitty bits and pieces. So it comes... Uh, you know, reading Genius and One. Hmm. Yep. Uh, so that, yep. that I, you know, there is an idea before that about an always a desire to work um, in ministry or mm-hmm. to spend, invest more in different areas. Kim and I had a great opportunity before we had kids to spend almost a month in the Philippines mm-hmm. with a college age ministry out of Elmbrook. Uh, Steve Sonderman and his wife, we led a, we were adult leaders. There was another guy as adult leader. We led 20 some odd kids over to the Philippines yeah. to minister all around Negros Occidental and these other islands. And it was life-changing because mm-hmm. you, you know, you think, you know, the world Yeah, growing up in St. Louis and then living in Milwaukee and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. We're the minority for all of time. People that look like you and I, <laughs> if we even look like yeah. this, when we move from here to there, we're the minority <laughs> with, the, the all of time and the rest of creation looks completely different than us. So how'd that change you? Uh, and has way less resources than we do because we were with this, uh, you know, com- just like our experience in Guatemala when we were down there with Living Water. Mm-hmm. Very po- huge poverty, two dollar a day yeah. poverty. Uh, yeah. So that opens things up. So you're like, you know what? This materialism, this pursuit of stuff and things, uh, it's always a struggle because it's so easy here to get caught up in that. But back then, you know, helping, having that time in our early 20s, 24, I guess, that was really helpful to help make sure we stay. So that kind of put in Kim and I this desire to, you know, we love that travel. We love 
helping and doing that kind of that missions kind of thing. Yeah. So when we started doing these living water trips, that was my way to own that tap into that. Yeah. But I, it's just that's God prompting and creating opportunities and me at least being just the slightest bit paying attention. Sometimes it takes a little longer to fuck me in the, hey, how about over here? Are you seeing this connection? I'm trying to tie to you. And, uh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Good. So, um, so let's transition to a another topic. Yeah. And it's relationships. Oh, all right. Um, you are a husband, yes. a dad, and a grandpa. Um, so first of all, let's talk about being a husband. Yes. Tell me how long you've been married. And share with me what you think are the keys to a successful marriage. I mean, we live in a, a, a day and age these days where, I mean, what, 50% of the yeah. marriages are ended up in divorce? Yeah. Um, what is your perception of what's the key to a successful marriage? And what are the keys to navigating the challenges in unexpected seasons of turmoil mm. that you face when you're married? Uh, so got married in 87, okay. uh, 87, 87 makes it easy for me to remember. Ah, that's that's right. So 31 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, the first key, I think I mentioned already was early on, uh, divorce was not an option for us for yeah. what I want. Most of that was because of Kim's pain and the issue, the trauma yeah. she had yeah. because of her parents' divorce. Uh, and then, um, me, uh, you know, my parents stayed together, but I, it was more out of, but they weren't, I never felt that they were happy. Now I see they're happy. I uh, think they're glad they stay together. I uh, think they found a way to be content, but they still have all this other stuff that you're like, why put it, why, <laughs> you know, why not invest some time and yeah. work on some of that stuff? Yeah. So, but, so that's the first thing is, as we took that option away, um, and that helps both of us. Uh, so then you're left again. So do we just settle and be miserable Great or question. do we yeah. choose to get better? Yeah. And so fortunately at every time when one of us was settling or uh, diving, the other one wasn't. Yeah. We've both never been at the bottom at the same time. So we've been fortunate. We realized that at some point, I don't know, like 10 years ago, we're like, you know what? One of us has always been in a good spot and willing to help the other one or point or at least to go get help. Uh, And we've again, we've taken turns. Sometimes we've gone and got help together. We had a great season of that in in the late, uh, like 2007 or eight with uh, Dr. Stack was another great therapist. He's a, Great guy. He's a, the head of the uh, psychology department at Webster. And we I can't remember how we found him. I think it was a referral from another therapist one of our kids had. And uh, But again, I was struggling with stuff. And Ken, we were just, it wasn't, we weren't happy. We yeah. weren't, it was just a mess. And uh, so we're like, yeah, so we found him and, and he was helpful. He helped us, help me, me understand differentiation. You know, that was one of my big issues. I, you know, I tied so much in. So that's the other thing. Uh, so that's the next step. So once you understand yourself uh, to be able to differentiate. Um, How so? Kim's not responsible for my happiness mm. at yeah. all. Gotcha. And I didn't know who I was. I'm 50, going to be 56. I didn't figure that out until about 10 years ago. <laughs> so I had 20 years of thinking, again, thinking I was aware. As Greg would always talk about, people who think they're self-aware, <laughs> yeah. they're really not. I was like... I, man, I'm so aware of myself. I've worked through all these th- issues and things, and I help. No, no, no. I was completely tied on. And there was a message he did that helped me figure that out yeah. uh, back. If you remember his message, it was too, ah, I don't remember which year it was, but it was about the uh, the man at the pool of Bethesda. So, and if you watch The Chosen, if you've, that's another I've thing we've been, we stuff. love that. Yeah. Oh, that's, if you haven't watched Chosen, watch, go back to the beginning, watch it. And if you're married, watch it with your spouse. You will have the best conversations you've ever had. Mm, and wow. With, Great testimony. Tim and I have had <clears throat> just emotional, spiritual, all yeah. kinds of conversations after it because of, of how well that thing is done. And I'm not a big, I normally don't like Christian entertainment. Right. No, I, think I, agree. It's I know what you mean. Cheesy. Horribly right, written. Not done. Well, even yeah. worse acted. Yeah. Not well. This, you know, they're right. doing amazing. The writing is phenomenal. Yeah. The actors are fun. The, everything's really well done. 
Um, but anyway, so uh, in that in the episode where they have the guy at the pool, the Bethesda, so he's been there for a long time, yeah. and he's waiting for the bubbles. Yeah. As soon as, if you get in there with the bubbles, you can get your healing. Mm-hmm. And he's lame. He's got all these other issues. And so he and I remember Greg teaching this, and he's talking about the guy waiting. And then Jesus shows up, and he's like, "What are you waiting for?" He's like, "Well, it's gonna buy. I got to get." And he's standing between the guy who wants healing and the pool, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm right here." <laughs> and in that moment, where Greg said that, I'm putting my place. I'm standing in front of Jesus, looking over Jesus' shoulder, seeing my wife, and I'm waiting for my wife to heal me. Mm, wow. And God's like, yeah. "Dude, I'm right here." Let me do That's it. That's great. And so that was that was a moment that, you know, was it immediate? No. But that having that understanding, okay, God, what does that look like? So I'm coming to you for all these things that I thought I was supposed to have Kim meet my yeah. needs in, in all areas, yeah, uh, which were not going well at all. Yeah. Um, and so in that, so that, that differentiation, that pulling, but, and, but then plugging into Christ, knowing that, it doesn't, whatever need I have, he is more than capable to meet. Yeah. Amen. Um, so, and he has. And and then the beauty of that is it wasn't but a year, a couple or two. There's other stuff that happens and healing that comes not just in Kim and I relationship, but for Kim physically that turns everything around. Mm. And so those things that I had always wanted and thought would never have, I have more than, yeah. and I don't want to brag about it, but yeah. Beautiful. it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. So, do you guys go in for any like tune-up visits? To oh, sure. Yeah, I, like I said, I just started. Kim has uh, regular okay. appointments. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, how about your next roles as a father, a dad? Um, tell me about your kids. What's the best part of being a dad, oh. and what was your biggest challenge regarding being a dad? Hmm. <laughs> If you want to ask me when they're all young, I would have said, well, oh, you can, this is this is the challenge, having five kids. Uh, I all can't young, even imagine that. Try, you yeah. know, trying to, because Kim was retired yeah. uh, for 16 years. She stayed at home and raised them, took care of them, yeah. all that stuff. Awesome. Uh, and yeah. then she's been working part-time at the Rockwood School District and their partners of education since Sam was in... Uh, oh, she's been doing that 15 years now. Holy cats. Wow. Time's wow. flying. Yeah. But... Um, so the yeah so if you would ask me that was the struggle it's just you're just tired yeah. and it's the long years so when they're in elementary school it's starting though that's just long yeah um and then we have uh our youngest uh, sam is on the spectrum mm-hmm. so the good news is early on uh we knew there were issues because mm-hmm. he wasn't communicating he would not talk he was a late talker wouldn't interact it was just all some signs and back then, you, there wasn't the spectrum wasn't a thing. You either mm-hmm. had you had severe autism, or you had Asperger's, or you had what they would classify as PDD, uh, pervasive developmental delay, not otherwise specified. So that's yeah. the category he filled in. So the good news is educationally, we had support through special school district and Rockwood School District, um, and got him educationally caught up. He he repeated uh, kindergarten. Um, but then he dealt that. And so we thought, okay, this is, that's going well. Well, then as he hit fourth grade or fifth grade, then all the emotional stuff, probably puberty and everything else, just, just, just crashed Mm. and all kinds of behavior stuff, all kinds of stuff we don't have answers for. Uh, we, you know, and then just lots of trying all kinds of different things, traveling to Kansas City to have blood work done and checking on all the, this is way before food, as food allergies were mm. becoming a thing. Yeah. And so there was nobody around here that, so we would go, my sister found somebody over there. So we'd go see him and figure and try and get all these different uh, physical therapists and occupational therapists. And the school was phenomenal. We had some of the best help ever in uh, the Eureka schools and the Rockwood school, just phenomenal people. And as it got into middle school, still not going well. Seventh, sixth grade was hor- it was just horrible. Uh, and there was, you know, probably a two or three year period where like, is he going to be able to take care of himself? Yeah. You know, are we always going to have to care for him? Yeah. Um, what's, so you have all that. And fortunately, with all the right help, uh, Dr. Stack, the guy I mentioned already for Kim and I, he was a big help with Sam. 
Uh, we found another guy, Dr. Simons, who was, he's down at WashU, a great guy, pediatrician, focuses on kids on the spectrum. Um, and we got all the help at the school and Sam's a college at your yeah. alma mater. Yeah, Doing right. great. Yeah. That's Does he struggle? Of course. Yeah. Uh, but he's <laughs> equipped. He's, he's phenomenal. So though, if you, so you have all those times as kids and they go through that, those pains and those struggles and you think those are horrible and then your kids get older. And then they have adult problems. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't, you can't step in and help them all the time. Yeah. And you yeah. don't know how to help them. Yeah. But you can be with them and you can love them anyway. And uh, that's been really, yeah. you know, as our kids get old. And we're, again, uh, you know, if we're going to therapy so much, guess what? Yeah. We have a genetic hodgepodge soup of emotional disorders. <laughs> So I'm an anxiety guy. Kim's on the depression side. All of our kids have all kind of, you know, they're somewhere in the middle uh, and have their stuff. So fortunately, we connect, we've always connected them with uh, the right people, the right help. And so yeah. as they've gotten older, they're equipped to go get that help themselves. Yeah. Um, Good. But you just, uh, just so hard as a dad yeah. uh, to see them struggle. Nope, I know what you, know? you mean. Definitely know what you mean. Yeah. Um, so how about... The biggest, brightest aspect of being a father or dad? Oh, they just, they make you proud like yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, they all are gifted in amazing ways. And they've taught me my whole viewpoints on all kinds of topics, especially like social justice stuff. They've had a bigger impact on me than anything else. Awesome. Uh, just the way they look at the world, the way they look at... Uh, people's brokenness yeah. it, of societal and cultural brokenness they've really helped me to understand things better and, and completely change my approach to some of those things um, yeah. so I'm forever grateful for that yeah. um, and they've been you know they've been at the front of the Me Too stuff uh, my oldest daughter um, actually all three daughters unfortunately have had to stand up and speak out and, uh, and confront um, and they just made me proud because cool. I'm not that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, I'm a fearful guy. Well, I don't yeah. want to make a scene. I don't, you know, let's just, okay, let's just move away. No, no, they're going to charge it. They're going to say, enough's enough. This is going to stop. We're going to be involved in fixing this. Yeah. And they've gone far to fix some things. Yeah. So is there any specific incident or case that you think of where they had to stand up for themselves? That oh, yeah. My oldest daughter had some stuff happen at college. Mm. Um, and later on... Uh, she had to go back and help confront and completely blow apart the um, that particular college within that major university that yeah. she attended, yeah. um, and for the good. I mean, because yeah. there was just just horrible stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, and what's weird is when she was there, and I would visit her because it was six hours away from us. And I would go and she would tell me stories and I'd, I'd kind of, you know, I feel, looking back, I feel horrible because I'd laugh it off or say, ah, oh, that's no big deal. This is a horrible stuff. It was a big deal. Was, professors shouldn't act like that. They shouldn't say those things. They shouldn't do those things. You, they shouldn't have those kind of people around that program that you're a part of to put you guys in that danger and that risk. Um, and so to see her stand up, go back and stand up to it, to be, go through that pain, you know, bring that all up on herself and then fight it and expose herself to the backlash as an alumni. Um, that just yeah. makes you proud. It takes some real courage. Yeah. So was the the person that she exposed, it's, was that person terminated? Uh, so there was one guy that was connected. He was disconnected. One guy, I think, eventually was terminated. Another guy was ter moved out. Yeah, there was a yeah. lot of shuffling moving around. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for her. Yeah. Good for her for being courageous. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> lastly, a grandpa. What's it like being a grandpa? It's way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Cause, again, it's the, yeah, I don't have to worry about them all the time. So I get them when they're fun and you can turn them back when you, yeah. uh, you got other stuff to do. So, uh, and Eloise is just yeah. easy. I hate to, you know, say it cause who knows, right. you know, that's why we ended up with five kids. Yeah. They were all easy. Yeah. And then they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So who knows what'll happen down the road? But right now, she is just happy all the time, and yeah. just it's a lot of joy, yeah. a lot of fun. Um, so let's talk about your faith walk. You've kind of alluded yeah. to it already. Yeah. Um, 
you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior mm -hmm. back in, was it? Yeah, yeah it was kind of the fall of 87, winter of 88, somewhere in there, in okay. that season. Yeah. Okay. And then how has your faith life progressed since then Ooh, to coming to like question. the crossing? Yeah. And how's it grown and developed? Yeah, so back then it was, you know, life-changing. I mean, it completely... Uh, to you mean go, Jesus is life-changing? Yeah, how about that? I mean, have known, right? right? <laughs> it's kind of the point. Um, and so to go from this works really in no understanding or knowledge of uh, eternity and, you know, you're just hopeful. You know, yeah. maybe maybe there's some yeah. time in purgatory. Whatever. Yeah, you just don't know. Right. But to then having assurance and having this connection and relationship and the beauty of grace um it, it was awesome um and and then scripture at the same time because that was never focused growing up and then right. and i actually i didn't want i had spent so much time reading in college because of the degree program and i just hate and then the job i had was very intensive on studying and testing and stuff up front to learn the technology so i just hated reading so i actually prayed a lot as i became a believer like all right god if you want me to read your word you gotta make me want to read your word, and so sure enough, over time, he gave me a hunger yeah, to really good. know more and understand. And then I also got plugged into men, uh, a small group yeah. uh, with some guys, and then we got connected uh, to a college age ministry. We were they were the closest in age to us. That's kind of where we fit. So we got connected there, and I got that was just amazing. In fact, that was with Steve Sonderman from mm. Regress. He did was doing college age, and that's how I met Steve. And in fact, playing trumpets, actually how I first got connected, because ah. there's a guy by the name of Jim Kruger, who he he played saxophone, his brother John played trumpet, his brother sat next to me. We were all in the church orchestra, which by the way, I signed up on the first Sunday at the church and I was not a believer. Because I met the new worship director who was also a trumpet player. I met him at a table and he was telling me his story. I'm like, well, I would love to keep playing. Yeah. I want, And he's like, well, sure, come on. He invited me. Yeah. He knew nothing about me, yeah. did not care what my yeah. spiritual state was. Yeah, right. He just, he saw me and he's like, yeah, come be yeah. with us. And I'm like, okay. So, so then I get this guy, Jim Kruger, uh, and he says, hey, we're, I, we do this thing every summer. So our college age ministry, that was called Interchange. That's what Steve called it. And they do this thing called Late Night with Steve Sonderman. So it's a whole spoof on David Letterman mm. and Steve. It was almost like a talent show for all these college, and they had like I don't know several hundred college kids in doing this. And it was a black, and we there was a live band. So I was in the live band, like Paul Schaefer's band yeah. for yeah. Late Night with Steve Summer. So that's how I first got to meet Steve, and then Steve again invited me. He's like, "Hey, why don't you come help us on uh, Sunday mornings uh, during the, you know, when we're not in the summer, but in the fall." We, we meet on Sunday morning like a Sunday school with college-age kids who are in town. Why don't you come help be a greeter? I'm like, okay. Yeah. He didn't know me, he yeah. had, but he invited me in. He yeah. invited me to help. Yeah, cool. And, uh, and that was the beginning of our relationship, you know, 30 years. And now we're reconnected doing men's stuff. Now yeah. here at the Crossing, he's yeah. helping Ron and, uh, do what we're doing with men at the Crossing. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. So what campus is he at? Uh, so Steve is at Elmbrook down in... It, well, he oh, was. He just okay. retired. So gotcha. it. it okay. Did you? I couldn't remember if you participated in one of the No Regrets groups. Last, I did not. Okay. I haven't done that yet. So it's a it's a standalone ministry for men, and they okay. do one big conference uh, the first Saturday in February. Uh, I don't know how many, ten, twenty thousand men that are connected. There's three thousand sitting up in Elmbrook when they're mm -hmm. meeting live. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is connected through host church all around the globe. Yeah. And uh, they get speakers in and encouragement. And then they equip them in the in-between time with leadership training and small group training and small group materials and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But anyway, so that was so that's that season. And we did that mission trip I told you about. That expanded uh, my relationship and understanding of what's this all about? What's God trying to accomplish yeah. uh, here and now? Um, other little bits and pieces. Uh, the Great Divorce. What an awesome C.S. Lewis book. That's my favorite C.S. Lewis. One, because mm. mere Christianity is too heady for me. I can't. I'm not that guy. But uh, The Great Divorce is a fable. It's a story. You know, it's like... I'm aware of Oh, it's great. So yeah. it really helped me get a feel for um, what eternity might look like. You know, it was just... A, it just was helpful for me in my, in my 20s back then. Um, so then we do all that, and then uh, then we move back to St. Louis. So we were up in Wisconsin for 10 years, so there's nothing harder than finding a church. 
and it was just like we're like ah what do we so we so we come back in 97 we're uh connected through kim's mom with uh, a new community um in west county uh but we're like ah let's try a couple others so we you know we you know what you do you go test a couple tried some really small startup ones in eureka mm-hmm. and then we did another one in uh, Twin Oaks, and then we did another. We I knew of the crossing. This is the funny. I knew yeah. of Windsor Crossing then ah, because yeah. Elmbrook, we were connected with Willow, and so I remember talking to Steve. Steve's like, yeah, I know somebody that's also connected to Willow Windsor Crossing. They meet at the Y. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, but what, but then as I started asking around, I knew they're there, but it was like so far from us in Eureka. So then we settled in at uh, at a community here in West County. Um, and we were there, we got connected in a small group. I started doing a men's thing. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that's when I learned what an unhealthy mm. community looks like. Mm. Uh, I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. I just knew there was some things that happened. And next thing you know, we're leaving that one, moving to a different uh, community um, because there's just some Unhealthy that, congregation or the, uh, the unhealthy leadership. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, it just uh, so the, how, the best way to say how it played itself out. There's one when we had a New Year's Eve party for our small group. Mm-hmm. So we go and everybody's touch here. We're at this couple's house and everybody's talking, having a good time. Well, the pastor and his wife are coming, so we're all having. Everybody's talking. Well, the pastor and his wife finally show up. Everybody shuts down. Mm. It's just a completely different party. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you all? What? And then I had a similar experience in this men's group. I started, yeah. And he, we were doing our thing, and then he wanted to be a part. I'm like, yeah, come on, yeah. Everybody shuts down. I'm like, what? That's weird. That is weird. Yeah. And then, so then we're doing a VBS, and we have all these people come, and it was a big deal. This is a pretty good set. They were doing some great stuff. Um, and then he makes he made a mistake hmm. and made a comment to Kim. <laughs> something about hey why are y'all talking you all gonna be talking to the new people mm. so shame this yeah. guy then I'm like then I put it all together oh he's a shamer yeah he is so bound up and so then at that point I'm like alright God what do you do you want me to try and fix this because I got baptized there that's mm. where I was because okay. I wasn't baptized in Wisconsin because just I didn't think I needed to be yeah. uh, but it, when we were there I'm like you know what I need to go ahead and get baptized but I'm like, God, do you want me to, what do you want me? And he's like, no, 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 this isn't, you're not a, this isn't for you. He took care of it after a while. <laughs> it, but unfortunately, it took a while, took a lot of pain. Um, and But the good news of that is that congregation is actually, because he had split a congregation before he was what when we were there. And then uh, that that's all been rehealed. God's brought that all back together. Good. Um, but then we were at another place, which was great, but we had five kids and every Sunday morning was this whole ordeal and getting it loaded up in the conversion van and you fighting all the way there. Oh, happy times. <laughs> um, and we, I got plugged in a little bit, but they didn't have a lot of small group stuff for us. And it, and it was probably more us than anything because we we're just so wrapped up in the kids and work and everything else. Um, and, and so then it was 2006 by this point and we had been there several years and it was okay but they went through a leadership change and they had some leadership challenges but culturally it was okay and they're they're still they're still there today doing well um uh in fact that's the first time i knew of ron sweet because he was a pastor there mm. and i knew of him but yeah. i didn't know him it's yeah. just kind of weird but then when I, he comes back i'm like wait a minute i know you name and i see that face and my kids all know you because you were doing youth over there yeah but anyway so we uh so in 2006, though, we went through a big thing at work where we got a phone call. Hey, congratulations. Nobody has a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going through a reorg, and it's not to make everybody better. It's so we can shed a whole lot of people and save money because we're losing money. Uh, so, hey, call into this thing or log into this website and look at the org charts and let us know which of these jobs you might want, and then we'll shortlist an interview. And so I go through that whole process, and in that time, uh, the good news is I was going to have a job. Uh, the president of the, the performance unit called me and said, hey, we, we really want to keep you, but we want you in this role, and it's conveniently located in Naperville, Illinois, mm-hmm. Chicago area. And so this was before Bryn was going to go to high school, our oldest, 
And we had gone to Chicago regularly for visits and having fun. So went home, told the kids, hey kids, what do you think? Uh, we had been, we had built a house. Kim built his beautiful house uh, on, the, on the south side of Eureka. We loved it, but um, you know, I don't, this is a good job, good opportunity. Unfortunately, the compensation, it wasn't a better, it was a different structure. There was no financial benefit for it at all. In fact, it was had financial downside, so that made it tricky. So in that process, I accepted it. The kids were all on board, everybody was ready to move. So let's move. We had been back for, so since 97 to 06, yet yeah, we'd love being with our family, but like, you know what? I want to move forward in my career. Uh, and this is what we got. So let's go. Everybody was excited to do it. So Kim and I got up there, looked at three dozen homes. Uh, it's just frustrating because again, the financial things weren't working out. This was 2006. So cost of living up there is higher. Houses are higher, taxes are higher, everything's higher. So everything we're able to get is like an hour commute. I'm like, what? What's the point? And we had Kim's mom, the five kids, Kim's mom's dogs. Wow. So we had this whole thing going. So at some point in that project, we had already sold our house here. Mm. And it was going to be closing in six weeks. And we, I had to tell my new boss, who I didn't know, I said, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're not moving. He's like, what do you mean? Are you resigning? I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I said. I said, we're not moving. I said, I told you on the front end that this is, if I'm not going to come up here and be underwater yeah. financially, that's not going to be a good decision. Um, so he's like, oh, let me see what I can do. He couldn't do anything more financially, but he's like, here's what we'll do. You can commute. I'm like, well, okay. So uh, yeah, just if you come up here Tuesday through Thursday, you can work from home Monday and Friday, stay at a hotel, we'll cover you, let's do that for a while, and then we'll just try again, maybe in a bid and see. And I'm like, okay. Uh, so in that flux, um, I had we had already disconnected from our faith community mm -hmm. here, yeah. and I was already looking at churches up there for yeah. where might we fit. Uh, and it's funny, as some of those were multi-site churches. And so I actually knew yeah. about multi-site before. Yeah. So as we started, I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, I think this is where we're going. Uh, so the uh, so in that time, what, uh, Carolyn, who you know, mm -hmm. her best friend is Sophie Trippy, and so uh, Sophie's parents, yeah. Brian yeah. and Pat, sure. were friends of ours, yeah. and we would hang out every once in a while. And so Brian, I knew Brian was a drummer in the worship band, and I love Brian. I'm like, man, I want to see, but I, we were. Can, we were worshiping and serving somewhere else, so it just never worked. Well, now, because we'd already disconnected, and now we're staying, I'm like, now we can, now I can go see them. So we just, they, in, two, in the fall of 2006 on Labor Day, they would, reg, each Labor Day, they would only do one service on Saturday night because it was during the air show. Because you yep. couldn't do, right. so what they would do is they would set something up, uh, and they would do one service, and then everybody would sit and watch the fireworks. <laughs> and uh, so we went to that, and it was awesome. Right. Brian's playing drums, awesome worship. Mm -hmm. Greg does like a really short 10 or 15 minute. Like, you know what? Let's come back next Sunday. Yeah. Let's, and then we just kept coming back. Yeah. And uh, it was life-changing yeah. uh, because I, I struggled at first because of my, uh, I, I wanted to do, and I, we kept trying to plug in. I kept, there's no, I kept trying to connect. We weren't, it wasn't working. Hmm. Uh, nothing was lining up. We would, I remember meeting Sonia and Kim back then. Well, let's try yeah. back. I don't know what they called it. I think it was still outreach then, but it was not what it yeah. is today. It's right. cool. And so yeah. I remember going, but any of the opportunities, they just didn't line up with our schedule or with, and I'm like, oh God, and there was no men's. I tried doing yeah. nothing else. Yeah. And God's like, Stop it. Just be. Just come and worship me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And in that, that's when I figured out, man, I was angry. Yeah. yeah. All wow. the unhealthy stuff. Wow. There was stuff going on. I had regressed in some of my stuff. Yeah. And I wasn't happy where I was. Yeah. Uh, and I was just, I wasn't happy about the job thing. I was really pissed. I said, what? How did we had this house that we love, my wife. And we that we settled for something because we only had six weeks, so I moved into something, you know, way smaller, and it was uncomfortable. It was no fun, but at the end of the day, it turned out to be the best decision ever. Mm -hmm. Crossing one thing, yeah. second thing, two years later, recession. Yeah. I'm in a much smaller place with them. All mm. my financial, yeah. all my Fair debt up. was all cleared up yeah. from selling a house at the high end, yeah. buying something way less. 
which then by being there the last 14 years allowed us to be here. Yep. So God knew what he's doing all along. I just, yeah. So yeah. that was uh, in the midst of all that. That's that. And then, so the first thing that I, that he's like, okay, now it's time was when you and I got together. Team Living Water. There you go. That was Team the beginning yeah. of yeah. me actually feeling connected, yeah. uh, being, having, saying, God, here's where you're going to. And I didn't realize at the time, I thought I was just signing up to run a half marathon. And then Judy, of right. course, she recognizes, yes. hey, uh, why next season, why don't you come do this? I'm like, really? I just started running. I'm not, okay, I'll help. And then that was, yeah, that's yeah. led to everything. Yeah. So I'm forever grateful that, you know, yeah. one, she said yes to God and started that whole thing yeah. and then yeah. invited me along yeah. to hang out with you. And then we got to do well trips. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, been, yeah. it's been a great ride. It has been. Um, so as we begin to wind this thing down, I want yeah. to kind of hit on one other key topic, and that's men's ministry. Yeah. Let's talk about your involvement in men's ministry, both as a participant yeah. and as a leader. First of all, why men's ministry? What's the importance of men's ministry in a big picture sense? Yeah. And what's the importance of men's ministry to you personally? And then after we hit on that, then I'm going to want to talk about F3 and then Men at the Crossing. Great. Yeah, so uh, it's at, it keeps me um, healthy, and it keeps me from self-destructing. So it's complete selfishness. At the end of the day, and I tell this every time we start a new men's group, or I start facilitating a small group conversation, I, I, I'm here because I need this more than all y'all. Because yeah. if I don't have this, I know where I go. I've yeah. been there before. Yeah. I've been uh, a believer, not connected. Yeah. Uh, struggling and having nowhere to go and having nobody to come alongside me and challenge Amen. me or to help me yeah. or pray for me or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go there again. That's yeah. not good for me. It's not good for anybody who lives with me or has to deal yeah. with me. Amen. So I am healthiest when I am in a small group of men who are there to encourage each other, love one another, challenge one another, study God's word together, yeah. um, and just move forward and, yeah. and be broken before one another. Um, so that's why it, it all started uh, with a small group of men. A guy by the name of Steve Godfrey invited me to join him and Tom Lewis and Ed Weistow. Um And they were going to go through this. They just want to, they're going to read a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Ron mm. mentioned it uh, uh. the other night, uh, last night, actually. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite books because it taught me the importance of discipleship and small groups. And yeah. love Billy Graham, love big evangelists, but. That's not how yeah. God gets things done. Yeah. He works one-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one. And that's yeah, how he did it when he was Amen. here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he worked one-on-one, yeah. on one, then he did the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. And then he had everybody else start right. doing their thing. Yep. So the Acts comes on. So that, going through that book with those three guys, um, and then as I moved into the college-age ministry, because all those guys were also connected, helping as... Uh, 20-year-old men. We were all newly married. and They were a couple, maybe a year or two older than me. Um, and we were all helping Steve with the college-age ministry. And then as Steve, God called him to his next thing, this was before Promise Keepers around the same time. Yeah. He was, you know, he's like, okay, I've done this college-age thing enough. You know what that's like. Yeah. Working with yep. youth. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, high school's yep. even worse. Still working. College, yeah. You're, you're ready. That's hard work, yeah. man. That takes a lot of energy. Uh, so Steve had been doing it for a long time. He's like, I want to do something different. He felt called to help men. There was no real, there's always women's ministries, but there was never any men's mm-hmm. ministry stuff. So True. he yep. started something called uh, Top Gun. And it was a, uh, he pulled 12 of us together and he had two different groups. And uh, he le- basically it was a small group discipleship program. Uh, and this was back when you could ask people to make a commitment. We met every week. Uh, for about the length of a school year, yeah. uh, from 5.30 to 7.30 on Thursday mm-hmm. mornings. Wow, that's pretty good. Um, and we went through, we would went through all these different modules, connected, uh, and had different books and audio cassette tapes that we would listen to. And it was just a great scripture memory. It was very, it was just a bad experience. Uh, again, that was what settled me into the importance of men's ministry, men, and ministry to men and men's small group. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, and I got a buddy, John Puffer then, and we started doing men our own. We would then go lead Top Gun groups and lead other men's small groups and, uh, and then just progress from there. Yeah. Um, and it's been a challenge, though, as I left Wisconsin and then came back home to St. Louis. Like I said, I just tried to get that going at the first community we were part of. Um, and it just, you know, wasn't there. Uh, and then the second one, they tried, started, stalled, and then you've been, you've seen what we've done at the crossing, the same kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, what I was thinking, okay, we got it. And then it would, and now that Ron, as he shared last night, one, he realized, you know what, he's the one that's got to lead it. Yep. And then the other important thing is he's got to develop a group of leaders. And for whatever reason, God's allowed me to be a part of something yep. again. Cool. I got to be a part of it once to see what it turned to be a part of the beginning when it turned into something monstrous. And now, yeah, yeah it's going to be pretty neat to see where we're going next. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's Men at the Crossing. That's kind of where the, the cusp of that. Yeah. How about uh, F3? So, yeah, complete. Um, so that my first time I ever heard of F3, uh, Frozone, uh, had, they, they did a fundraiser last year for the Covering House. And I've known about the Covering House. Sean Dugan introduced me to them when he was on the board, and they had a fundraiser at the Rock House. He invited Kim and I to, and we mm -hmm. went, and it was great. I'm yeah. like, oh, they're doing some really neat stuff uh, to combat sex trafficking and, and help the women come out of that. Uh, so then last year, uh, the F3 guys did a fundraiser for the Covering House, and uh, so I participated that way. So this is the first time I've heard of them. Well, then fast forward from last August to October, then... A couple of the guys in our men's group, uh, Derek Wilton, Mark Fowler, uh, they're they're involved. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's pretty cool. And I, I respect these guys immensely. Yeah. I've learned so much from them. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's there's guys in my men's group that God is just, it's just amazing how he's connected us in the ways he's connected us and the why. That's just yeah. so special. Um, but so Derek Derek's doing this thing and he's excited about it. And he's inviting me. I'm like, well, of course I'm going to go. It's I mean, I Derek's a leader, man. This guy knows how to lead men. I want to see what they're doing. Plus, I love to exercise. Yeah. yeah. And so, so F3 is uh, uh, fitness, fellowship, and faith. Yeah. So at the time, um, so this is October, it, uh, I think was my first time. If you would ask me, do I need any of those three? I'm like, no. Right. Well, I go to CrossFit. I go to yeah. CrossFit five, six days a week. I run long runs with yeah. my buddies Aaron and Bob every Sunday. So I'm pretty fit. Uh, I don't need that. Uh, fellowship, well, I got my men's small group. We've yeah. had this long-term men's small group. On, you know, we, uh, in my faith, yeah, we're, I'm doing really good. We do these well trips. We do, we're, uh, yeah, worship's been great. I'm growing. I'm learning. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think I've got those things covered. Um, well, then Derek invites me. And I go, and I'm like, holy cats. One, this is fun. Yeah. Uh, and I don't understand the importance of it. I don't at the time. But then he invites me again. He's like, hey, would you mind doing a fundraiser for Living Water? Would you lead the workout and come do it? And so I'm like, well, of course. Yeah, I'm going to raise some money because I do that at our CrossFit box every We do a, a lot for the thirsty. So, yeah, I'll do a beatdown for the thirsty. Yeah. And so we did that, and the response was amazing. There's like 25 guys came out. They gave a bunch of money. I'm like, oh my gosh, this was fun. So then I start going a little bit more and I supplement. I do both CrossFit and F3, and I still do both because uh, I love both. They're different communities. But as so as we moved into that end of the year um, and I was really struggling. And as I was looking back, the COVID, I didn't think it at the time. Yeah. But I was like, why am I depressed? What is going on? Um, and my job the because we couldn't travel mm -hmm. we're having to do everything online which Zoom, is a great it's a great to have that versus just talking on a phone right but it's not the same as being in person yeah. amen i am energized by being with people for how long a year i said yeah i'm with my family i'm with some guys but i'm in my job in my career profession my calling at work i'm not doing what i love to do i'm not traveling I'm not helping people. I'm not solving problems like that. And I didn't realize what the impact that was having on me until mm. I was doing that three mm. thing. And I'm like, why is this, <laughs> why is this making me feel so good? And at the same, and so then it could like, so I said, if, if 
I ever thought I needed those three Fs. I didn't think I need them. But then at the end of the day, oh my gosh, I needed it more than anybody yeah. there. And it, to me, it's the fun side of it. Is yeah. it get up, you know, this morning we're out there at 5.30. There's 13 of us yeah. down at Eureka Elementary running around exercising. Yes, it's a hard, great workout, yeah. but it's so much fun. Yeah. The competition, the camaraderie, the chirping at each other, the stupid nicknames. Yeah. It's right. got their own language. There's there's so much po- and even they, they know what they have now. They didn't realize what they had for two years. Mm-hmm. It's been in existence 10 years. So yeah. if you read the book uh, written by the guys who started at three called Free to Lead, yeah. they put that book together because they were trying to figure out why is this working? Yeah. And so through that book, you'll understand what they what they began yeah. to understand why it works. Yeah. And so that's, for me, it's, it's fun. It's like adult recess. Yeah. And it's dudes being dudes, doing hard things. Which I've always been a fan of. I've yeah. always slated me how like that's why I did half marathons. That's yeah. why you guys. Right. You know what? I started running five k so I wouldn't be fat, uh, and then I ran one five k with my son. Um, and like, oh my gosh, this was fun. Yeah. And then I did that, and then that's when. How about a ten k? I did that, and then well maybe a half, and that's when Judy stood yeah. up and started. So F three is a similar thing. It's yeah. just yeah, it's fun. It's challenging. Um, the camaraderie is amazing, and they're they're really invigorating male community leadership yeah. in a way that they figured out how to do it. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to get involved with F3, how could they get involved? Yeah, just go to F3stLouis.com and okay. they can see all, there's 20 some odd different sites yeah. that are having uh, free men's workouts every morning, 5.30 yeah. a.m. Rain or shine, come. Yeah. You'll have fun. We'll give you a stupid nickname. You'll yeah. hate it. You'll love it. Uh, and it, you won't believe how much you like it yeah. at the end of it. I got lucky. Pavarazzi. Yeah, that's head. a... I well, I'm band camp, so I'm pretty, <laughs> I felt pretty good about that. When somebody threw it out, I acted like I was insulted. I'm like, that's kind of cool. I like it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, final thoughts. What sort of advice or encouragement would you have others who are in a similar seasonal life to you or who have experienced some of the same challenges that you face in life. Ooh. Uh, that's the other thing. <laughs> so you and I have a friend that we lost about a year and a half ago. Uh, that impacted me more than I thought it did. That we ran with, that went on a well trip with me. He didn't go on your trip, mm. uh, Reiner. Oh, and um, yeah. that's one of those things that... Yeah. Uh, and I lost another buddy of mine oh, back yeah. from the small oh my, my small group years in Interchange. Mm. A buddy of mine, Jim Charles, who we were yeah. great friends. Um, and he uh, he died of ocular cancer at about the same time yeah. uh, that Reiner left us. Mm. Uh, and I didn't realize how much that was still messing with me yeah. until last fall. Yeah. Um, and so as I connect with those men, I'm like, oh, Reiner would love this. Yeah. You know, Reiner would, and I knew Reiner well. I knew his struggles. I knew, but I didn't know how much he was struggling. Yeah, right. Um, and I thought he was getting help and all yeah. those things. You just, but to, so that's my, you know, if you're struggling, ask for help. Let yes. somebody know. Yes. Him. Please, Amen. Please let them know. Amen. Please yes. let them know. Get yourself around other guys. And even if you're uncomfortable asking for help, at least get yourself around other guys right. that you can trust. Right. Uh, that that you know will challenge you or might be able to recognize if you're doing worse than you want to tell right. them right. so that maybe you'll give yourself yeah. an opportunity to get the help you need. Yeah. Or get around some guys who are willing to be open and honest yeah. and transparent enough about their struggles, the things that they were ashamed, embarrassed, felt guilt yeah. because the enemy wants to try to separate us yeah. and keep us just depressed and suppressed from other men, other healthy relationships. But once you can go ahead and be open and honest with one person, you begin to find out that you're not the only person who right. wrestles and struggles with certain stuff like that. Right. And it's um, it's life-changing. Yeah. Final question. Yeah. What would you like to say to either the person or the people that you love the most in life? Uh, hmm. Just how grateful I am for them. The value that they've provided, the the inspiration that they've been to to grow and change, to be better, um, the the companionship, um, 
the contentment. Yeah, just a lot of gratitude. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, so first of all, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing your story with both me and our listeners. I yeah. think it's been totally great, totally awesome. I've loved I've learned a lot about you. Yes, in the midst of awesome. doing all this stuff. I appreciate you. Love you as a friend. Yeah. To all of our loyal listeners out in Podville, I appreciate each and every one of you. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. And until we meet again, thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Real.